Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Now, kind of our, our theme that is running through this today is that the way God dealt with sin is the same way He dealt with sickness and disease. Praise God. And so, if I were to ask you, say, how did God deal with, with our sins? What, what did he do about that? How did he deal with it? Well, what, what we need to understand is, and what most of you would probably answer is, that Jesus died and paid for my sins. And you would be right. That is how God dealt with your sins. But did you know that God dealt with your sickness and disease in that very same act. It wasn't a separate act. It wasn't a separate. Th- God, you know, some of us t- sometimes have this mentality that God wakes up in the morning, which the Bible says he doesn't sleep. Uh, but we, we seem to think that God wakes up in the morning and decides who he's going to heal today and who he's not. And if we somehow qualify, then maybe we'll be one of those lucky ones that will get healed. Uh, but, you know, that's just not how God does things. In fact, because God dwells in a timeless realm, you know, we, we need to understand that God's already been to the end, and he was at the beginning. Praise God. He was before the beginning. He was before the foundation of the world. He was. He has always been. There has never been a point ever where God was not. And God is, uh, you know, he dwells in this timeless realm. So if we're on the, on, on the, the page with God, if we're, if we're thinking the way he thinks, we don't think of going to do something or has done something. We think of it as an existing fact. Uh, you know, what, what God... Now, when it comes to this world, when it comes to life here on this earth, we dwell in a time realm, in, in, a, um, in, in this thing called time. And in this thing called time, there is a point in time when certain things take place. There was a point in time when Jesus went to the cross. There was a point in time when he paid for your sickness and your disease and your pain and paid for your sins. There was a point in time. So it's not, it, we can understand when we say God's going to do something. We're talking about in a time realm. But the Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But we know that in time, he did not do that until 2,000 years ago. But in the timeless realm, in the realm of eternity, it has always been done. Praise God. It's always been done. Why could Jesus come and heal based on something that he had not yet done? How, how could he have a healing ministry based on something that he had not done, based on the fact that he was going to go to the cross and he was going to bear their sickness and their disease and their pain in his body, but he could heal before that day that he went to the cross. He could heal based on what was going to happen at that time, but because God is in a timeless realm, 
in the mind of God, it was forever settled. Your word, the scripture says, your word is forever settled in heaven. That's not just forever from the time he gave it forward. That is forever past the word was settled in heaven. In this timeless realm, in this realm of eternity, God had already settled everything that needed to be settled. Praise God. And God saw you from eternity past, and he sees you in eternity future. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, let's, uh, let's consider this, that on the cross in the realm of time, 2,000 years ago, your sickness and your disease and your pain were laid upon him at the cross. But prior to that time, the Bible says they brought unto Jesus, Matthew chapter 8, verse number 17 says, they brought unto him all that were sick and diseased, and it says, and he healed them all that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying himself bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. Praise God. So before he bore our sickness and carried our diseases in the realm of time, it was already settled. Praise God. And there that day, he healed them all. Now, let's, let's look at this. Sickness and disease has its root in sin. When we're talking in the realm of time, when Adam sinned, when Adam ate of the fruit of the tree that he had been commanded not to eat of, sin entered the world. And with sin came sickness, disease, and pain. There was no sickness in this world prior to the fall. Adam and Eve, they were the only people, but we have no record of Adam and Eve ever being sick. And so I, I, I talked to you a, a couple of months ago about the fact that God, his, his eternal purpose is to restore us back to his original intent for mankind. And, and just to, by way of reminding you this morning what his original intent was, the, was the very thing he said when he created man. He says, let them have dominion over all the earth. Let them walk in dominion. God wants you to walk in dominion. That's his original intent for the human race. He wants you to walk and live in dominion. Praise God. And that is dominion over sickness and disease. Praise God. He wants you to live in that place. Uh, how many of you have ever heard, let's see a show of hands, how many of you have ever heard this term, divine health? Divine health. Okay. Some of you have, some of you have never heard that. And, and, and that's fine. You've heard it now. Okay. So never again can you ever say, I haven't heard of that. Uh, because now you have heard of divine health, and it is God's will for you to walk in divine health. It is, you know, we, we think too many times about being sick and getting healed. Getting sick, getting healed. Getting sick, getting healed. Uh, you know, let me just ask you this question. Is it God's will for you to sin sometimes? No. If it's not his will for you to sin sometimes, then it's not his will for you to be sick sometimes. Sickness and disease is the, uh, or let me, let me rephrase that. Sickness, please understand what I'm saying here. Sickness is the disease of the body. Sin is the disease of the spirit, of the human spirit. So they, sin affects the, the spirit man. Sickness and disease affects the physical man. Praise God. 
And so when God dealt with one, he dealt with the other. Whatever was in the physical came from the spiritual realm. Praise God. God dealt with your sickness, disease, and pain in the spirit realm, but it carries over and affects your physical man. Praise God. And so God has already dealt with it. This is why the prophet Isaiah could say, with his stripes you are healed. Peter quoting Isaiah could rephrase that, uh, that verb tense and say, with his stripes you were healed. It was a past tense thing to pointing to the time of the cross. Hallelujah. And so uh, what, was, what was done at the cross, though it was in the timeless realm, yet in time there was a point in which this happened. There was a point in which this took place. You and I can be healed based on what took place at that point in time. Praise God. Praise God. And so uh, you can say, well, how can you say you're healed when it's clear that there's sickness in your body? How can you say you're healed? I can say I'm healed because at the cross there was a point in time in which Jesus dealt with it from the spiritual aspect and it is a finished work in the spirit. Praise God. Praise God. Now, how do we bring what was done in the spirit into the physical realm? This is done by believing and receiving. Praise God. Believing and receiving. It is not done by meeting a certain... Uh, set of rules. It is not done by, by living up to a certain standard. It is not done by deserving it. It is done by believing it. When the, when the Apostle Paul and, and, and Silas were in the Philippian jail, the Bible says that at, at midnight they were singing praises unto God and, and it says the prisoners heard them and the, uh, suddenly there was an earthquake and everybody's chains were loosed and the doors of the prison were open and uh, uh, the prison guard thought that everybody had probably escaped and so he's getting ready to kill himself because he's thinking, okay, if I, it, the, my bosses, my superior officers are going to kill me, so I might as well just go ahead and kill myself, and it'll be less painful that way. And uh, so he's going to kill himself, and Paul says, don't do yourself any harm. He says, we're all still here. Well, that so touched his heart that he wanted to know how to be saved. So he goes to Paul and Silas, and he asks them, he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Notice what the, their answer was, not do, do this, you know, keep all these commandments, do, live up to this standard. No, they did not answer him that way. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Well, that word saved there from the Greek is the word sozo. And that word sozo, I call it the all-inclusive word of the gospel. Because that word is, is sozo involves everything that Jesus did at the cross. In fact, the name Jesus actually means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. So, or we could say Jehovah saves. The Lord saves. His name was Jehovah is salvation. Praise God. And so the, when they said, what must I do to be saved? You know, what must I do to experience this salvation? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. Praise God. Praise God. And so, um, you know, I want us to understand what must I do to be healed? What must I do for my body to be healed? Well, the answer 
to that question is the same. Because saved, salvation, that word sozo, means everything that Jesus did at the cross. You know, what do you have to do to have your sins forgiven? Believe on Jesus. What do you have to do to, um, to receive uh, the gifts that God has for you? Believe. The answer is the same. What must I do to uh, be healed? The answer is the same. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be healed. Praise God. And your household. Now, they weren't telling him that if you believe, it will save the other members of your house. That's not what they were telling him. They said, if you believe, you will be saved. And if the members of your household believe, they will be saved too. That's what he was saying. That's what they were saying. In fact, we find out that uh, the, the jailer took them and he, and he cleaned up their, their wounds and, and uh, um, you know, and treated them. And then it says that they preached the gospel to them and their household believed and were saved. So believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And the same thing is true for the members of your family. If they will believe, they will also be saved. Praise God. And, and this word, I said the all-inclusive word of the gospel. Praise God because it includes absolutely everything. Anything you want to receive from God, if you can find that Jesus dealt with it at the cross, which everything in Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, if you'll open your Bible to Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, I don't mean right now because it's a long chapter. Um, but uh, if you'll go and read Deuteronomy chapter 28 and read all the curses in there from verse number 15 on through the end of the chapter, which is like 67 or 8 or something like that. Uh, if you read all the way to the end of, of the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, you'll see all of the curses that are written there. In fact, there's even one uh, verse that says this. It says, also every sickness and every disease which is not written. So you say, well, where, where's that one in the Bible? Well, it's the not written. All right? You say, well, well, you know, what, what about COVID? They never heard of COVID back then. Well, they might not have heard of it, but it's a not written. Praise God. So that means it's covered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so every one of those curses, it's a hard chapter to read because it's horrible curses that are being pronounced there. But what Jesus did at the cross is he became the curse. Praise God. He became the total curse, the whole thing. It all came upon him. Isaiah said it this way. It says, who himself bore our, our, our sin, our sickness, our disease. He, became, he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. That's, that is sickness and that is pain is what those words are translated as or, or should be translated as. He bore our sickness and our pain. He bore that in his body when he went to the cross. And then he said, then Isaiah says, and with whose stripes or his stripes, you are healed. Praise God. So what happened that day when the Roman soldiers laid stripes on Jesus' back with a Roman scourge, the, the, God literally, by the hand of the Romans, he put you on Jesus. He became a curse for you, though he knew no sin, though he knew no curse, though he, he was free from the curse. He, Jesus did not walk around this world, this earth, under a curse. So he knew no curse, but yet when they laid stripes on his back, they were literally laying you, by the hand of God, laying you on Jesus, and he became you at the cross. Praise God. Praise God. 
And because they laid you on him, and the two of you became one in his death, the Bible says you died with him. You were, Paul says, I was crucified with him. Paul didn't hang on a, on, on a cross, but he was crucified with Christ. You were crucified with Christ. You say, well, yeah, but that's for the people that have accepted him. No, that's everyone. I didn't say everyone's saved, all right? I said everyone was crucified with him. The whole human race was laid upon him that day. Praise God. The entire human race was laid upon Jesus, and he became the human race. Praise God. And the human race then was nailed to the cross. And when the human race was nailed on the cross, you were in him. Then the human race died in him that day. Praise God. Remember, we're talking about in a timeless realm, in a, in a spiritual realm. Praise God. The whole human race was laid on Jesus that day. The whole human race died with Jesus that day. The whole human race was buried with him. The Bible says you were buried with him through baptism in the death. And that, that baptism means you're, you're immersion into him. Through baptism, you were buried with him. Then it says, but you were raised up with him. Praise God. You were raised up with him. Then, you know, I, I love what E.W. Kenyon says. He calls, the, he says, there's two sides of our redemption. There is the vital side, and there is the legal side. When Jesus hung on the cross, legally, he was you. Legally, he was you. But the day that you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, he became vitally you. Praise God. There's the legal side of it. This is why, though every sin that has ever been committed by anyone on this planet, past, present, and future, any sin has already been paid for. Jesus already became that sin and was already punished, but there is the vital side. And the vital side is what you believe and you accept and you experience in your life. Praise God. And if it is yours legally, then it will be yours vitally if you accept it. Praise God. If you accept it, if you choose to believe it, this is what, this is what Paul was telling uh, the Philippian jailer. Paul and Silas were telling that Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Though Jesus had already gone to the cross and though Jesus had already paid for his sins, yet he needed to believe it so it could become a reality to him vitally. Praise God. Is, is that making any sense to anybody? Hallelujah. I, I, I love uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, verse number, let's see, where do I have it on here? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. It says, that he made him, I'll just quote it. Uh, you can look at it. Well, no, I got it right here. Here we are. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read verse 17 through 21. Okay? He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God. 
who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we implore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now notice verse number 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, we would be perfectly accurate to say it this way. He made him who knew no sickness. Would you agree that Jesus knew no sickness? That Jesus walked on this earth as a healthy man? Jesus knew no sickness. So he made him who knew no sickness to be sick for us. Praise God. To be sick for us that we might become healthy in him. Hallelujah. That we might become healthy in him. Now, let's get this. I was meditating on this passage of Scripture the other day, and there, in, in, in verse uh, number 21, it says that we might become. I wanted to look up the word might and see what the meaning of that, see what that Greek word was and see what, that, uh, uh, what, the, what the meaning of that word was. And uh, when I found that the word translated might actually is is the two words, both words with, with a single word in the Greek, might become. In, in the Greek word, um, it is um, uh, one single word, but that word is um, a, it is in the middle voice. It's a verb in the middle voice. And it's not only the middle voice, but it is also a pro prolongation of the and in the middle voice. Now, uh, I, I need you to hang with me just a minute because so, I'm going to give you a, a language lesson here. Um, and the, when, when, I, when I say this, you're going to see something in a brand new light. Um, in the English language, we don't have verbs in the middle voice. We, we don't know what that is in English. We go a long way around getting there and saying the same thing, but we don't have a verb in the middle voice that, that conveys this idea. Uh, but in the middle voice means that there is someone who is performing a, an action what a verb is. They're performing an action, but that action is enacted upon someone else. All right? Um, let me just give you a, a couple of examples here. If, if I said that Kay walks her dog, Kay is performing the action, Right? But it is the dog who has been walked. So it is enacted upon the dog. What Kay did is enacted upon the dog. Now, if I said Kay went for a walk or Kay walked, then uh, uh, that would be in the active voice, meaning that Kay did the action but the action was enacted upon her. Now, this word, might become, is in the middle voice, meaning that someone else did the action, but it is enacted upon you. Now, 
Here it says that he, being God, made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin. So God did an action that was enacted upon Jesus, and then the ultimate effect of that so that we might become. How do you see that? You see that? that is, uh, and if I, I, I illustrated it this way, you know, as a pastor, if I said, I married Jack and Jill. Now, that doesn't mean I am now married to Jack and Jill. That means that I did something that caused, I performed a ceremony that caused Jack and Jill to be married to each other. That's the middle voice. Um, and if I, on the other hand, said Jack married Jill, now Jack did the action and it was enacted upon himself and caused him to be married, right? Does that, does that make sense? All right, God did something. He made him, Jesus, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, when you begin to understand that, you begin to see that it is totally and completely the act of God. Now, when insurance companies put a clause in your policy that says, except for acts of God, well, this is an act of God, all right? This is a real act of God. That, that, uh, uh, that tornado that came through and tore the roof off your house, that was not an act of God. I don't care what they say. And, uh, you know, I, I, I guess maybe we can test that in court and say, so you're saying that there really is a God, huh? So, um, but, uh, but, but that tornado was not an act of God. That, that tore the roof off your house. God didn't tear your, the roof off your house. But there is something that is an act of God, and the act of God is that he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And how is that enacted upon you? It is enacted upon you when you believe it. Praise God. But I want you to get to this idea and, and, and understand that Jesus became you. He made him to be what? Sin. He made him to be sick so that you could be healthy. Hallelujah. God enacted sickness upon Jesus so that by that action, you could become healthy. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let's see this. Um, <clears throat> Romans uh, chapter 7. Go there for a moment. Romans chapter 7, verse number 4. Is therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead. You also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. Do you, do you see that work in there? You became dead to the law through the body of Christ. Why? Because he bore you in his body. Praise God. You became dead to the law through the body of Christ. That you should or you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Now, I got this middle image. It's been a while back now. 
that, that, that I, I began to see something as I was studying and meditating, begin to see something. Let, let's suppose, let's suppose that there is a, um, a, a believing couple, a couple of believers. They're, they're married to one another, and they're, they're very much in love with one another, and they've got the perfect marriage, and, uh, you know, they, they are so in love with one another and are faithful to each other. And, um, you know, then one day he dies. Something happens and he passes away. Now, according to the Scripture, it is now acceptable for her to remarry. And so, for a long time, you know, she, she waits a long time until almost anyone would, would agree that it's, it's proper and it's okay now for, for her to remarry. She's not even really thinking about it, but she meets, a, she, she meets another man. And the two of them enter into a relationship, uh, uh, and they... They do things God's way. They, they maintain purity and, uh, uh, and, and do things God's way. And then one day, they decide they want to get married. And so they, they get married. And, um, you know, it's a beautiful ceremony, and they express their love to one another. But there's one little problem. This wife, this widow that has remarried, she insists on keeping their, the wedding picture from her first marriage on the nightstand right next to the bed. And so she keeps this picture there. So every time... This couple that, you know, this new couple that has gotten married, every time they want to get intimate with one another, she rolls over and sees the picture of her and her first husband getting married, and the moment is gone. She cannot fulfill the marriage duties to her new husband, because she feels guilt when she sees that picture. She feels like, even though scripturally she's not cheating on him, scripturally it is perfectly acceptable, but she feels like she is cheating on her first husband. And so she has trouble in the bedroom because she feels like she is being unfaithful to her first husband. Pretty soon, it begins to destroy the new marriage. Doesn't take long. Begins to destroy the new marriage. And that's how many of us are in our walk with the Lord. We see ourselves married to the law. Scripture says we're dead to the law. We're dead to the law. The law has no more hold over us, and we are now married to another, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, we continue to look at that picture of us married to the law, and we begin to feel guilty because every time we uh, uh, look at that picture... We feel like that we are cheating on God, on the law. When it says that we're married to another, we're married to the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Do you, do you see how that could be a problem? Many Christians can never walk into the fullness of what they have in Christ because they are under this law mentality that is holding them in bondage. When the Bible says you are free from that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
So I want you to get this, that sickness and disease was part of the curse that came from breaking the law. How many Christians who have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, when they get sick or when they experience sickness in their body, symptoms of sickness in their body, the first thing they think of is, what did I do wrong? Anybody ever think of that? You ever think, okay, what did I do wrong? Because you are feeling guilty that maybe you broke the law, maybe what, you know, that, that you're cheating the law. But see, the Bible says you're not married to that anymore. You're dead to the law. You didn't even divorce the law. You died to the law. There was a death that took place which freed you. He who is dead is no longer bound to the thing that he has died to. So you are no longer bound to the law. So when you uh, have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't start asking, so which law did I break? Which commandment did I break? What did I do wrong that has caused this to come upon me? The truth of the matter is that there is a there there is a false guilt there. You are not guilty because you are in Christ and you have been declared free from that. You have said I do to another. Praise God. Praise God. Now when we can begin to get a hold of this and get this down on the inside of us, praise God, it will free you up. It will free you up to walk free from all the condemnation, all the guilt. You see, you'll stop looking and saying, okay, so what did, what did I do wrong? Because you are free in Christ. Christ has redeemed you. From the curse of the law. Now, if you were under the law, and, and, and I'm going to tell you this. How many of you in this room are Gentile believers? Gentile believers. Okay, so we got a room full of Jews today. Um, okay, let me ask this the, the opposite way around. How many of you are Jewish? Okay, only Tony. Um, everybody else is a Gentile believer. All right, nobody's Jewish, so you're a Gentile. Now, if you are a Gentile believer, you never were under the law. You realize the law was not given to Gentiles? Never, never was. Only the, 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 the law was given to the Jews. And since you were not a Jew, never were a Jew, that means you were never under the law. So that means you have no obligation to the law whatsoever. Your obligation is to Jesus. Now, please, please, please don't be hearing, oh, I'm not under the law. I could do whatever I want to do. Grace is your governor. Grace is your husband. Doesn't mean you're without restraint. It just means that you are not under the restraint of the law. Grace restrains you. See, God never intended, in fact, the, the Bible says great, or the law was added. Was added. When was it added? 
It was added at Mount Sinai when uh, Moses went up on the mountain and received the Ten Commandments. That's when the law was added. Up until that time, which is uh, approximately 2,500 years after Adam's fall, up until that time, people lived without the law. Abraham, who the Bible says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham did not have the law. You say, well, Abraham did this and Abraham did... He didn't have a law telling him not to. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And that's the way God wanted you and I to live. Without the law, Abraham had a relationship with God and that relationship with God governed his life, praise God. He believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. But the Scripture says that the law was added because of transgression. Now, think of it this way. There is a speed limit sign out here on Mermod Street. The reason that speed limit sign is there is because there are some people, nobody in this room, I'm sure, but there are some people who cannot figure out what is a safe speed to drive down Mermod Street. If people could govern themselves and drive a safe speed, there would be no need for that speed limit sign. But because people can't seem to govern themselves, they had to put up a sign that says, you can only go 35 miles per hour. That's the same reason the law came in. Because people could not govern themselves. People could not figure out for themselves what was, a, what, what was right and wrong. And so because of transgression, the law was added. Why couldn't people figure out what was a safe speed? Why couldn't people figure out what was right and wrong? Because they were dead inside. So when we're talking about you and I, that we were never under the law, well, as, as Gentiles, we didn't ever have the law, but today we have a governor. Our governor is not posted on a speed limit sign. Our governor is not written on tablets of stone. Our governor is written on our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and we should know right and wrong without a law. You should know that cheating on your spouse is not acceptable without having to read it on tablets of stone. And if you don't believe that, ask your spouse. They'll correct you very quickly. Uh, you know, if, if we have Christ in us, let, let me just say this. The Bible says there was no deceit found in his mouth. No deceit found in his mouth. He had no desire to be deceitful. He didn't need a law that said, you shall not bear false witness. Jesus, though he ministered under the law, he didn't need that law to tell him that. He is the way, the truth. He is the truth. So because he is the truth, he doesn't need a law that tells him to, to be truthful. But you've been joined to the Lord. So you don't need a law that tells you to be truthful. You don't need a law that tells you don't bear false witness. Because you have been joined to the Lord.
And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Praise God. Now, that was a long ways to get around back to, you know, the, this issue of, of healing. If you need healing in your body, if, if you have been attacked by sickness and disease, it is not because you broke some law. Because you're not under that. You're married to another. Praise God. To Christ. Praise God. You have been joined to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let me just say this. If you're here today and you have been thinking that maybe, maybe, this is why I'm struggling in this area, is because, um, because I've, I've, I've done wrong, because I've, you know, God's punishing me. No, I will tell you emphatically, it is not because God is punishing you. Did you do something wrong? Probably. I did too. But that's not the reason. Praise God. Is it okay for you to do whatever it is you did? No. But that's not the reason. Is it okay for me to commit a sin every once in a while? No, but that's not the reason. The reason is possibly that you've been thinking that way. The reason is possibly because you are thinking as if you are under the law. Even though you're not, never have been. You're, you're thinking as a, as a law person. So I want you to get rid of that thinking. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He made him who knew no sickness, no disease, no pain. He made him to be sickness for us. The Bible says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So all that Deuteronomy 28 stuff that I told you to read, all of that is what he became. He became all of that curse for you, including every sickness that is not written in this book of the law. He became all of that for you. Hallelujah. So you might become healthy and healed. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Do you see that? The devil will play with your head, and he'll say it's because you did this because you did that it's because you you messed up here you shouldn't have done that well you probably shouldn't have done that but that's not the reason hallelujah you see you can't believe what you don't know and the devil wants to keep you from knowing but now because of what we've preached today, there is no reason for you to not know. Choose to believe. Choose to believe today. Praise God. We believe that God's going to confirm his word with signs following this morning. Hallelujah. So right now, right now, we're at a, 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 a peak in our faith right now. So... I want anyone who needs healing in their body, praise God, to come. Praise God, to come. And I want you to come expecting, praise God. And when I lay hands on you this morning, we're going to pray that you be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Not the knowledge of the law, not the law, knowledge of the commandments, not the knowledge of all that you've done wrong, you know, but the knowledge of 
him who became sick for you so that you could become healed and healthy. Praise God. We're going to release that wisdom of God unto you today that, that I believe God is going to fill you up this morning with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what? When wisdom and revelation comes in the knowledge of him, then we won't need to ask for your healing. Because it will come. It will come. Praise God. Asking for, praying for God to heal you won't be necessary. Praise God. Because you're going to be filled with the wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Hallelujah. 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 So everybody say this with me before we lay hands on this morning. Everybody say this with me. Say, Lord, fill me with wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you taking Jesus, wisdom and revelation, in Jesus' name, knowledge of him, praise God, in the name of Jesus, open, open our eyes to see that, Lord, open our eyes to see what you did, in Jesus' name, wisdom and revelation, and the knowledge of him, we'll just let our eyes be open now, to see what you did for her. Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Father, let our eyes be open, be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Father, eyes of our understanding be open to see it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let her be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. All that you did, Father, in Christ for her. Let her understand that. Let her grasp that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, let the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him, come upon her right now. Father, the eyes of her understanding be enlightened. She may know. She may know all that was done for her in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus and his work at the cross may come upon her and flood her being now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. Let our eyes be flooded with light to see, to see and to grasp all that Jesus has done for her. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him flood our being right now. Eyes of her understanding light. She can know. She can know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. She can know what you did for her. In Jesus' name. Father, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to flood her being right now in the knowledge of Jesus and what he has done. To flood her being right now light in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus thank you thank you Father that you fill with the spirit of wisdom and revelation Father the knowledge of Jesus Standing, be enlightened. She may 
wisdom and revelation. Father, the knowledge of him. Flood his light, his eyes with light. He didn't know Jesus and what Jesus is. never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, whether you're watching online or whether you're in the house today, you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord, your Savior. Praise God. We said God dealt with your sins in the very same act that he dealt with your sickness and disease. Hey, it was all one act. By believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, you will be saved. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul said this to the Romans. He said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Maybe you don't understand that term righteousness. That just means you have a right standing with God. That means you and God are like this. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So if that's you today, wherever you may be, wherever you may be viewing this broadcast or hearing this message, I want you to just repeat this after me. Everyone, please, let's do it together. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. And there he paid the penalty for all of my sins. And you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. I believe that today. And I choose Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Jesus. I call you my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant what you said, then according to God's word, you are now saved. And I want you to go to my website. Go to wolcarlsbad.com. There you'll find, uh, when that uh, pops up on the screen, on the right side of uh, of the screen there, you'll find a tab that says, I Choose Jesus. That's a book offer for you. I've written a little book called I Choose Jesus, and it's designed to help you to know what just happened to you and what to do from here, from this point. Praise God. So get that. It's absolutely free to you. Praise God. And then send us a message and let us know what you did. Praise God. Let us know that you chose Jesus today. Praise God. Then one more thing before we close. Jesus said that the Father has a gift for you. We refer to it as the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Simply put, is that there is an additional work of the Holy Spirit to empower your life. Fact that you were born again, yeah, you're going to heaven, and that you know, and that's the most important thing. But and I don't diminish that at all. But I just say this: if my father has a gift for me, I want it. Hallelujah! It's a gift for his children. If you're his child, don't you want the gift he has for you? Jesus said this, everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Praise God. Everyone, everyone, not, not just some. It's not for special people. It's just, it is for every single child of God. Hallelujah. And it is power for your life. Jesus said you would receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. You say, is this tongues? No. This empowers you to speak with tongues. But no, this is not tongues. This is a person. This is the Holy Spirit. 
the person of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to come into your life. Tongues is evidence that you've received it. But it is not. This is not tongues. This is a person and a relationship with him to empower your life. Praise God. So let's ask, because Jesus said that if you're a child of God and you ask, there is not a chance that God would say no. Hallelujah. So let's say this together. Repeat this after me. And when we say amen at the end of this prayer, then there's going to be a language that's going to come up on the inside of you that you haven't learned. That's the tongues part. Just start saying what's coming up on the inside of you. Praise God. And trust the Holy Spirit that he's giving you the utterance to speak in an unknown tongue. Praise God. So let's pray this. Say, Father, Jesus said, you have a gift for me. I want everything you have for me. So I come to you today, and I'm asking for my gift. My heart's open to receive. Holy Spirit, you're the gift. I receive you now. In Jesus' name. Here we go. Amen.